This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northeast to the southwest. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles. That is truck girl Jen over there. You who you had to wear a helmet to work today. It was fantastic. Um, but you didn't ride a motorcycle. Tell us what we what we drove to the station today. The, the slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> Polaris slingshot. The if you're not familiar, wheel. it's one of four uh, three-wheelers that are available in the United States. And it looks very much like the Batmobile with a single headlight up front with uh, LED running lights, uh, fenders, uh, over the wheels, um, and uh, two-seater, no trunk, four-cylinder engine, and packed from front to back with tons of fun. It comes in a manual or automatic. We have the manual version. Um, and Jen didn't want to take it this morning. That's because it was all wet. I didn't had want to towel it off. It. I know. Yeah, we it did. sat in my driveway. It rained last <laughs> night. We had to towel it off. How how many of you guys had to towel off your ride this morning before you, <laughs> before you went to get coffee? Or, <clears throat> and not for the good reasons. Um, but we had the best COVID masks at Starbucks. Yes, we had helmets. We forgot our masks, so we kept our helmets on, <laughs> which is kind of rude, I think. If somebody doesn't take their motorcycle helmet off, it's kind of rude. We didn't have a we didn't have a choice. No, didn't. Um, big news this week: lots of things happening, including California announcing that uh, they will not sell gas engine vehicles after 2035, uh, which is interesting. We'll delve into that. Um, you could be on both sides of the argument. But if you didn't see this coming, you weren't paying attention or listening to this show. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Jonathan Bueller from Nissan. 40 years the Nissan Maxima is celebrating. John Quinn is joining us on today's show. John's from BMW, and I'm excited to educate myself and everybody else about the 2021 uh, 330e, which is a plug-in hybrid car. Another plug-in car is the Chevrolet Bolt. Uh, they've updated it for 2020. Shad Balch joining us from Chevrolet. We're also going to talk to to Michael Farah from General Motors about a vehicle that I have featured on TV stations all over the country this week, the 2021 Yukon Denali. Uh, we're going to talk Lexus with a new uh, RC the Black Line Edition. Anton joining us and Perry Stern joining us to talk about the Corvette. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mark Saltzman this morning for writing such an eloquent, eloquent article about me and about some of my opinions in uh, USA Today. If you didn't get the USA Today this morning, go pick it up. You can uh, read the article from Mark Saltzman. We talk about future technology in vehicles. It's probably the driver for people to buy their vehicles right now. Um, it's pretty exciting. So I'm, I'm very thankful to uh, Mark Saltzman for asking my opinion and then writing it down and also plugging our autoexpert.com mm -hmm. in USA Today. That was it's, fantastic. Uh, it's online if you don't happen to venture out to get newspapers anymore. A lot of people get in the news online. You can go to, uh, to uh, USA Today and check out uh, the article that mentions me. I have a Google search with my name. So anytime anybody mentions me, the, the trouble with that Google search with my name, there are two other people with uh -huh. the exact same spelling as my name, N-I-K-M-I-L-E-S. Mm -hmm. 
problem being one of them is a singer. Yeah. He's not very good. He's all right. Oh, <laughs> I'm geez. sure he's a nice fellow. <laughs> and then there's Poor a guy. BBC newscaster. When I used to work for the BBC, so if you search us, some of, sometimes you'll Get find both either of, you. of us. Yeah. I used to do the news. Mm. This is BBC Radio News. Not surprising. <laughs> yeah, that's old school me. I love BBC. Do you? Yeah. Um, yeah, Top Gear, of course, was one of their most favorite shows. Mm-hmm. All right, so how many people listening are 40 years old and older? I'm guessing most most of our family um, who listen are 40 years and 40 years older. Uh, Nissan is celebrating uh, 40 years with the brand new Maxima. It was brand new. It was 40 years old, but it's been refreshed several times. Uh, I'm pretty excited to talk to uh, Jonathan Mueller from Nissan PR department. So uh, 40 years kind of crept up on us, uh, Jonathan. It doesn't seem like the Maxima's been around that long. Yeah, you're exactly right, Nick. It really doesn't. Um, it's, it's quite surprising how quickly time flies. But yeah, 40 years of flagship for the Maxima. It's interesting, too, that it's now, I'm sure when it was born 40 years ago, the, in 1980, I guess that would be, uh, when it was born 40 years ago, that it was probably in the class of maybe even the best-selling uh, vehicle class of vehicles in the United States. That sort of dropped off, but Maximus really maintained its presence as uh, one of the best vehicles in the class. It's definitely the most stylish uh, body shape in the class. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And uh, and then yeah, definitely um, in its early first generation, it was it was definitely a contender in that uh, that sedan segment in the the early '80s. And then it, it definitely continued into its uh, you know following generations as kind of a uh, it really defined itself as that four door sports car, especially within the fourth and fifth generation. Uh, you know, with the V6 and the manual transmission. Um, but yeah, as we progressed into this eighth generation, it's continued with that four-door sports car moniker and has really delivered with the performance, but also now the luxury aspect of it. I do feel a little bit like, Jonathan, that because it was so successful, Nissan have stolen a lot of the things from the Maxima and put them in other vehicles. A lot of the, the design shapes which were first debuted in the Maxima um, have really filtered down to the rest of the line, which I guess, you know, uh, uh, copying or is, what do they say, uh, mimicking is probably one of the best forms of, uh, of honoring something. Flattery. Yeah. Yep. Flat, flattery <laughs> is, is, is uh, it's nice to see other vehicles sort of uh, steal bits and pieces from the Maxima in the lineup to show off the vehicle. Yeah, you uh, you nailed it on the head. Um, so the Maxima, again, as our flagship, really defines kind of the the overarching sedan uh, just design that you now see within the Altima, Sintra, and, and Versa. And so now we've got a consistent-looking lineup uh, that really does hark back to, you know, Maxima at the end of the day. So it, it's kind of great to see Maxima, you know, kind of stand out and then bring the other sedans along with it so yeah it's great uh celebrating 40 years you have a special edition the uh, 40th anniversary edition tell us a little bit about the vehicle yeah sure thing so to to really capitalize and celebrate this 40 year uh, milestone within the maximal life we really wanted to do something very very unique so what we did though is we created a limited production package that's built off our fully equipped maxima platinum grade um but what we did though is, is really kind of catered to that custom one-off uniqueness that we could deliver with this 40th anniversary, which was a very unique two-tone color combination. 
So as you guys will see, it's a slate gray pearl body color under a black roof. Uh, but then we've also included our 19-inch gloss black alloy wheels, which you can only get on this 40th anniversary. And then we combined all of that with black finishes all across the car. So you'll see that's extremely unique, even unique versus uh, a package that we had a couple years ago called our Midnight Edition. So this one includes some additional exterior finishes that are all blacked out. Trim badges have been all blacked out, as well as exterior uh, exhaust finishers that have been blacked out. And then, of course, you have our, our badging uh, specific to 40th anniversary. But my favorite part is actually the interior. As much as I love the exterior, I'm sorry, but the, the red leather interior looks fantastic when you see it in person, as well as even in the pictures. Um, and then we included our 40th anniversary embossing um, and then, you know, just finished it out with uh, the red contrasting interior stitching. But my favorite part is got to be the white speedometer and tachometer faces that we purposely included in this vehicle to reminisce and hark back to the uh, fourth and fifth generation Maxima SE versions. So really cool having that heritage tie uh, and a little Easter egg within this 40th anniversary. I think that uh, I love the Midnight Edition. It's not hard to love anything that's blacked out. It seems to be the flavor. <laughs> Even actually before it was uh, hot, I took my uh, my one of my own personal SUVs and had them had uh, a Wheelcraft Northwest spray the wheels black for me because uh, I just I think it looks so much better with black wheels as well. Um, it also comes with heated rear seats, so it's not just facial and interior and exterior looks. It actually comes with something that's usable as well. Yep, exactly right. With the heated rear seats that you can only get with this 40th anniversary. Now. Uh, usually these uh, vehicles are sought after. Are you making a limited number? What's the price and availability? Yeah, so we are looking at a limited production, but we haven't um, expressed the exact number yet. And then more information on this particular vehicle, as well as the 2021 Maxima lineup, will be included uh, later as we get closer to the fall on sale date. And of course, uh, Nissan, all Nissan vehicles come packed with safety and uh, tech features as well, right? That is completely true. So this will have uh, a 100% standard application of Safety Shield 360, which is our suite of uh, you know, active and passive safety technologies, um, as well as um, additional uh, content that comes with the, the Maxima Platinum grade that this is based off of. I, I love every moment of it. And if you can't wait for the new Z car until next year sometime, <laughs> perhaps this will fill the gap for you temporarily as well, which I think is a great idea. Jonathan, uh, you're from Nissan PR. Thank you for joining us, telling us about the 40th edition, um, the special edition of the Nissan Maxima. Uh, I actually uh, was encouraged to do a review of the Maxima a couple years ago at Pebble Beach. I was a guest of Nissan there of the new Maxima engine which had that sort of variable engine, uh, variable compression engine, and uh, it's probably one of the best uh, YouTube videos I've ever done. It was on TV all over the world, uh, and I have it included in an upcoming uh, TV series, which is uh, going to be debuting very, very soon. So that's something to look forward to. Still on the show, we're going to talk about the Highlander Hybrid a little bit uh, coming up, uh, which I have had in my driveway, plus this slingshot, uh, the Jeep Gladiator. I actually have four cars on test drive this week. Um, so, and Jen was very sad that she had to mop out the inside of the slingshot and wear a helmet <laughs> to work. 
It was not sad. Uh, it, not when you got in it and had a good no. had a good ride. Yes, you I were did. very happy about that. This is our auto expert. Find everything you want to know about the show on the website ourautoexpert.com. All the videos from television shows and television news segments across the world, plus some of the greatest car articles. We have more to come. Stand by. You're listening to our auto expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen, uh, helping educate ourselves and you, hopefully, about all the latest vehicles that are on the streets, hitting the streets, and soon to be on the streets, and maybe just even concepts as well. You heard the announcement out of California this week. There are going to be no electric cars sold there after 2035, which Whichever side of the argument you're on, obviously at this point, car companies have to be getting themselves ready. If you were surprised by this news, you obviously weren't listening to this show or paying attention to the car market. (coughs) One car company that is preparing for electricity, they have a number of electric vehicles on the road and they have a new vehicle which is becoming uh, plug-in hybrid electric. It's the new BMW 330e and 330e xDrive. They are PHEV sedan plug-in hybrid electric sedans. Joining us to talk about the new 330e is John Quinn from BMW. Uh, John, BMW have quite a long history of uh, testing alternative powertrains, electric, hydrogen, plug-in hybrid. Uh, This is nothing new for you. It's not. And at BMW, we really are focused on giving our customers the power of choice. And we're always looking to, to new and innovative ideas to ensure that we can provide Um, our customer base and new customers uh, with the best technology and the cars that they're looking for. It's quite a balance to be able to get a vehicle onto the roads for a price which is reasonable with performance that is good, great, or uh, it's the ultimate driving machine, obviously, in the case of BMW, and at the same time uh, make it have a decent range. Does the 330e remain an ultimate driving machine? Absolutely. Um, you know, this is our new generation of performance-focused PEVs, uh, or the plug-in hybrids. Um, this car is, is powered by a 2-liter turbocharged four-cylinder gasoline engine uh, in combination with a 12-kilowatt-hour high-voltage battery that actually sits under the rear seat for optimal driving dynamics, really leading to that ultimate driving machine claim. Um, and you get uh, up to 22 miles per gallon with the rear-wheel drive car uh, of, of all-electric driving. So that really provides most of our customers with more than enough range for, for most everyday uh, driving. And it probably brings the MPGE to a, a, you know, a reasonable amount of the equivalent, uh, which is not necessarily what people are looking for, but most Americans traveling under 20 miles in a commute every day, that's probably enough uh, to, to do that. Uh, how's the performance? Because I was actually supposed to be in this vehicle this week, uh, but due to scheduling changes, it's moved a couple of weeks out. But I'm kind of thrilled because many of these PHEV vehicles have an increased performance, especially in the zero to 60 mile an hour times uh it, because of the amount of torque that's available it's a lot they're usually a lot of fun to drive does does this not disappoint it, it does not disappoint at all um and the epa has actually um measured this car at 76 uh, mpge wow. which is kind of that you know calculation equivalent um, but in terms of the actual driving performance um you have 288 horsepower combined with both with both motors um, and 310 pound-feet of torque. And, you know, from my personal experience driving this car and from all the feedback that we've gotten from our customers so far, um, the real difference is when you're actually behind the wheel 
um, driving the cars. And that's when you can really feel the increased torque, like you just mentioned, um, of the electric uh, addition uh, compared to the gas motor. Um, that really, uh, on top of the gasoline engine, really provides for that additional ultimate driving experience that we at BMW um, you know, try to put into every one of our cars. I think one of the things that's always disappointed me about uh, PHEVs is the fact that you get to sort of 30 miles an hour on uh, electricity and then it switches over to the gas engine. But it, the, obviously the hybrid or the electric engine is great to go from zero to 30 miles an hour, but you actually push the limits on this and you can drive on pure electricity alone a lot faster than that, can't you? You can. You can drive up to 87 miles per hour in this generation. That's up about 10 miles per hour from the previous generation. Um, but I, I would think that 87 miles an hour should be fast enough for right. anybody driving on public roads in the U.S. Or maybe a little too fast. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was watching a video the other day of somebody who was new to, uh, to YouTube, and uh, they did a 0 to 60 mile an hour test in, a, in, a Le- in the new Lexus RC, and uh, they were doing 80 on their speedometer, which I could clearly see, and they passed a 55 mile an hour speed <laughs> limit sign. And I was like, uh, somebody's probably not going to get a loan of that car again. Uh, you've got to be careful. Public roads are not everybody's racetrack. Street racing is uh, for the track only as well. Um, now, the availability uh, is always in question of these vehicles. Uh, are they they're made in Germany or are they made in the United States? Uh, so they are made in Germany and they are made in Mexico. Um, and that it allows for the availability, especially on the West Coast in California, um, for the cars and for customers to be delivered with their cars much sooner and, and much faster than, say, a customer ordering a car from Germany have it being built and shipped over. Um, so that's one of the benefits of our plant in Mexico um, that is supplying the, the three series. Um, but we also get cars from Germany. Um, you know, it just depends on, on the geographic location of where you are in the U.S. and, right. and the overall volume split. And, and when are they in dealerships already uh, now? And uh, what, what are we talking about price-wise? They are in dealerships. They've been in dealerships since about May of this year. Uh, pricing is uh, 44 and a half uh, and 46.5. Um, for the all-wheel drive equivalent, and we're really happy with the, the, the base price. And we think that, you know, for a plug-in hybrid vehicle, this is a really yeah. competitive offer with the added performance uh, and the, you know, all-electric range. Do we get, uh, are we eligible for discounts, uh, federal or city or state discounts on this? Yep, it is a uh, federal discount and also, uh, you know, it varies state by state. But there are plenty of incentives available um, to really uh, even increase the benefits of driving one of our PHEVs. Now, last question for you before we uh, take a break for news. But does it still have that reverse button where it will go 150 feet out of the driveway the way you came in without you touching anything except for the brake? It, it doesn't actually use that this morning, oddly enough. Um, yeah, so yeah, the, the car will actually remember about 150 feet of the last time you drove forward. So say you're going down, you know, a, an alleyway where it's blocked and you discover too late that it's blocked and very narrow, the car will actually reverse out of the alleyway automatically for you. You control the speed of the car, but the steering uh, input is, is memorized. Um, so there's no uh, potential for you to hit something uh, if it hasn't moved in, in the past, you know, best, feet. Best thing BMW ever invented, I'll tell you right now. It saved, <laughs> it saved my backside many a time. John Quinn from BMW, thank you for telling us about the brand new BMW 3 Series, the 330e, which is their plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. If you want to go test drive it, of course, you can do that. And I will, uh, I'll have a review of it uh, online coming up very soon. You want to check out Our Auto Expert. Also, at Our Auto Expert, you can check out the Mini GP. I went to New York to the Monticello Car Club 
Club in upstate New York to drive the fastest Mini ever. 301 horsepower. They deleted the rear seats. You can see that video just by going to OurAutoExpert.com. When we come back, let's talk about the Chevy Bolt EV. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our Auto Expert Radio Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask a question, direct messages at Our Auto Expert. It's where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I was proud and lucky enough to drive the very first version of the Chevy Bolt EV. Uh, it has been updated since then, and there are many more electric platform vehicles coming from Chevrolet and General Motors in general. Joining us on the phone is our friend Shad from uh, from um, Chevrolet. Chevrolet, yes. <laughs> I want to say General Motors all the time, but from Chevrolet. Shad, uh, uh, we all usually talk about uh, very fast and exciting rides. This is still exciting, but uh, under the news that California is not going to sell gas vehicles after 2035, the Bolt is already uh, way ahead, 15 years ahead of what California is expecting in the future. Um, and uh, it's, it's now been updated for 2020. Yeah, that's right. So the new updates for what you're driving now is all around the increased battery range. So we increased it up to about 259 miles uh, that's certified by the EPA on a full charge. And so that basically makes it like what a regular gas-powered vehicle is in terms of how far you can go. Uh, That's always been the range. The range anxiety has been what has prevented many people from getting into an electric vehicle. But I think it's really a lifestyle change. It's a consciousness change, just the way that you were conscious of the E or wherever your fuel gauge was, getting down to half or a quarter that you needed to think about fueling up. Uh, At this point, now you can pretty much treat this vehicle the same. And it still remains uh, at a fantastically good price. We talk about many of these vehicles starting a lot more, but you've kept the price uh, very reasonable with the new bolt we have and that's sort of been the other misconception about electric vehicles is that the price is just people think that it's more expensive and it's not i mean you can get good lease deals on bolt ev right now that are less than gas-powered cars that are the same in the same segment and if you combine that with your savings on fuel it's really a bargain that you can't refuse i always thought that the bolt was a wagon a hot hatch, a wagon. Many people thought it was a car. What is it, Shad? What's what's the official ruling on what 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 ve- what size of vehicle it is, or what what model of vehicle it is? So it is a small crossover. Okay, I could go yeah. with that. Config- configuration: a small crossover. You have the big hatch in back. You have uh, what's good about an electric vehicle that is purpose built, and by that I mean it's not where we've taken a gas-powered car and just added batteries to it, but when you design an electric vehicle from ground up, you get to optimize the location of the battery. And in the Bolt EV, the battery is integrated into the floorboard, and so it sits completely flat below all of the passengers and cargo space. So there's no tunnel, like in the back seat, that would hinder passengers back there, and it gives the optimal amount of storage. You want to put the seats down. You have a whole big area back there that is equivalent to the cargo capacity of a crossover. I love it. Uh, It's not boring as colors-wise goes. Anyway, this year you've introduced some pretty uh, vibrant colors. Colors are everything. I mean, when when you – there's a fine line on electric vehicles between wanting people to know that you're driving an EV 
and not being obnoxious about it. So you used to have these, you know, <laughs> jelly bean style designs that, you know, I'm driving an EV, I'm saving your planet for you. Right. But now people want a little bit more mainstream and even better looking design, but that doesn't mean you can't, you can't have good colors that make you pop as well. So you're right. There are a couple of different new colors for the 2020 model year um, that are different than what we've seen in the past. And those are the ones that are getting the highest take rate so far. Yeah. So that's fun. When you, when you do bright colors at Chevrolet, uh, they're my favorite. You guys, it's never sort of a, a, an almost bright or oftentimes, and I tell people this story all the time, Shad, when I, when I do my, uh, make my coffee in the morning, I look out from my kitchen window and Jen knows exactly this down the driveway. <laughs> and sometimes when you pick up a, a, a test car, you pick up a vehicle, which is maybe a really bright lime green. And you think this is going to be a great bunch of fun but then after a while when i'm making coffee everyone and going i couldn't live with that in the driveway <laughs> i don't have that problem with chevrolet cars because although the colors are bright and vibrant they're not uh, they're not ob- obnoxious either so you've done a good job with that as well uh trim levels when it comes down to the bolt yeah there are two different trim levels we have the lt and the premier and the good news is that the lt is pretty well contented on its own when you go up to the premier you get a few different options that you may or may not actually need. So the, there isn't too much difference between the two. On Premiere, you get a couple of different finish improvements. You get the, the added color options for the uh, what are considered a premium color. But otherwise, they are both loaded with technology, Wi-Fi hotspot, all the, the vision cameras that you can see, that you can see from bird's eye view down, uh, the charging capability, the charge cord set in the back, the same range, same propulsion system. So they're basically the same vehicle. I love the idea that this vehicle, you can charge it up to 100 miles in just 30 minutes. Charge time isn't that, you know, I, I remember plugging vehicles in for like 12 hours to get, get them charged. It's nothing like that. Another big misconception is that people think that you've got to plug it in for you know, 24-something hours like that, and that's just not the case. With DC fast charging, which the Bolt TV is capable of, it's basically like filling up a gas tank again, where it takes a little bit longer, but it's nothing like where you need to plug it in and you can't drive it for two days while it trickle charges. So, yeah, you can fill it up on the go, and you don't need to do it every day, just like you would in a gas-powered car. Yeah, in a gas-powered car. Uh, one of the things that I think is very intuitive and uh, is, is very, uh, I would guess, forward thinking for uh, that GM have done and that Chevrolet have done is you've, you're, you're not wasting anything in this vehicle. Uh, any energy that is used when you cruise, you can actually use the paddle shifters to get re- regeneration on demand. Yeah, and that's a very interesting and it's also a very fun way to drive the car. So it's called one pedal driving. And basically, rather than using the friction brakes to slow down the car, we use the electric motor to slow down the car through the kinetic energy, and we just basically flip a switch. And instead of the motor putting electricity to the wheels, we flip the motor around, the energy flows backwards into the battery. And it does a couple things. One, it saves your brakes from wearing, but also every time you come to a stop, you're recharging your battery. So extend your range substantially, and there's no wasted energy. There are still cars that are for sale today that are gasoline-powered that have like a five- or a six-inch infotainment monitor. Um, with an electric vehicle, you'd expect a little more high-tech, but you've got a lot more high-tech. Uh, this is as big as some luxury cars have in 10.2 inches. 
Yeah, that's right. And there's a lot of information that we want the drivers to understand, like what we just described in terms of energy efficiency. But we also tell you the impact of your air conditioner or your heater or your audio system, all of the things that, you know, are running off of your battery. We want you to be aware that if you want to drive more efficiently, because, you know, it's fun to geek out over this stuff, <laughs> here's, here's some things you can do, you know. So, yeah, that information is, is very prominently displayed. And then also things like searching for charging locations and finding out whether or not those charging locations are in use, are they broken down. All of that is designed to let you enjoy driving without having anxiety over figuring out where you're going to get your next charge. And all of that is, is displayed on the center stack. To keep the kids quiet you uh, and stick them in the back with their tablets, uh, you offer the Wi-Fi hotspot, as you said, 4G LTE. It'll come with three gigabytes or a one-month trial when you first get the vehicle. But also on the infotainment package available, it includes uh, some pretty cool sound and plenty of speakers, not just two. You get uh, Bose and you get a, a whole plethora of speakers, Seven. don't you? Yeah. And a subwoofer. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And a subwoofer, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still Chevrolet, and Chevrolet is synonymous with music, so by all means. Yeah, the, uh, in fact, we worked with Bose to develop a special stereo system for both EV that even uses less electricity. So everything on that car has been designed to just maximize efficiency and make sure that you can get the most range out of what you got. And that's how the engineers were able to get 259 miles and this is just certified by the APA. Most drivers get a lot more right. because you can drive much more efficiently. Right. Uh, this is just a stepping stone to, to Chevrolet's electric uh, future. you got a lot more in the pipeline, haven't you? We do, yeah. So on the Chevy side, we have the Bolt EUV, which we will see next year. Uh, and we will have a significantly updated Bolt EV, which you have now. And we haven't put out too much information about those yet because we like to do that all at once. And so we'll be talking more about that next year. And then in our other brands, we've talked about the Hummer EV, yeah. which is just getting a, a tremendous amount of attention, bringing that brand back. And then in Cadillac, we are, we've talked about the Cadillac Lyric, that crossover electric vehicle, which you, we've showed, we showed that concept about a month ago. And it's, you know, it's just stunning. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. I really enjoyed the unveil, um, and I'm I'm standing by because electric now is uh, it's got a palette for everybody. There's uh, lots of different styles of electric, and now with 259 miles in the Chevy EV Bolt, you know you can get the range. The range anxiety seems to melt away. Shad Balch is from Chevrolet. We love to have him on the show. He joins us every single week that we have some Chevrolet to talk about, mm -hmm. and we enjoy doing that. Uh, still looking forward to. Uh, I, I think I'm looking forward to it, but. But uh, Jen is looking forward to it like 10 million times more than I am. Are you talking getting, about the new vet? Yeah, yeah. Getting, getting in the new vet. Yeah, I'm I've been lucky enough. I, I was lucky enough <laughs> to drive it in Las Vegas yeah. um, and had a blast, especially uh, hearing some of the – I'll tell you a secret about this car, which is uh, when we get to, to do it, but I'll tell you right now. They actually uh, have used Brembo when they used the brakes on this. Mm -hmm. they, they used the brakes uh, from the Fiat 500 Abarth. Uh, the rear brakes on the front of this car as the test model to develop the brakes for this. That's, uh, that is pretty amazing, this mm -hmm. vehicle. It was absolutely amazing. We'll be talking about it as well. I wonder if the next generation of that will be, uh, will be uh, electric. Oh, that's a 
find out. We'll get a test drive that very, very soon. All right, more to come on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey, Google, hey, Alexa, or hey, Siri, please play our Auto Expert radio show. And all previous episodes of the podcast are available. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles. This is our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily, along with truck girl Jen. So we drove the slingshot in today uh, to the studio to do the show, uh, but also been test driving a plethora of other vehicles. Excuse me for whacking the microphone there. A plethora of other vehicles. <laughs> Uh, had a good time uh, this week driving. You wanted to take this initially, Jen, because you thought it might be too cold and rainy inside the slingshot. Man. But uh, we drove the 2021 Jeep Gladiator Eco Diesel. Now even more capability and driving range with 442 pounds-feet of torque for improved performance. Of course, the legendary off-road capability bolstered by that 442 pounds-feet of torque. 3.0-liter Eco Diesel V6 engine available in the Gladiator Sport, Overlander, and Rubik. Rubicon models, diesel-powered Gladiator offers for the first time, offered for the first time in response to overwhelming consumer demand. A Gladiator Eco Diesel is open for customer orders now. It's arriving in showrooms as we speak. Uh, the most capable truck ever from uh, Jeep offers the most torque and the best driving range with the introduction of that 3-liter Eco Diesel V6. Expected fuel economy ratings will deliver the high driving range on one tank of fuel for the Gladiator. Uh, I'm excited to see that happening with 260 horsepower as well. This engine has stop-start technology as standard available on the Gladiator Sport, Overlander and Rubicon models. And to handle greater torque loads, the Eco V6 connects to a newly added torque uh, fi- Sorry, I was getting all moist here, getting too excited. To <laughs> I know you're getting it. excited <laughs> over there. Uh, 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 um, it, uh, eight, eight, 8 HP 75, 8-speed eight engi- uh, automatic transmission, uh, which is the way the power gets from the engine to the road. Uh, calibrated for low RPM, it shifts on and off-road uh, rigots of the Jeep uh, Gladiator. It's really easy to get this vehicle to an off-road situation, an on-road situation. And when you go rock climbing with this, Uh, with a Gladiator. I've been rock climbing with a Gladiator with a diesel now to push the whole truck up over the rocks. Just that extra torque is uh, is absolutely outstanding. Haven't done it with a load in the back as well, Um, but be interesting to see that. Mm -hmm. I actually asked Jeep many times why they don't just box it in and put a third row into the Gladiator because I like the truck. No, because it's not a Gladiator. No, it's I mean, called it's not, the Wagoneer. Yeah, but it's bigger. <laughs> it, the Wagoneer is the same size as a as a um, a truck. Okay. The fifteen hundred. It's the same size as the fifteen hundreds. Whereas the Gladiator is the next size down. So that so would it's considerably be smaller. the Grand. Well, no, I was going to say that is the Wagoneer. The Grand Wagoneer is the bigger one. Um, there isn't. There's a Grand Wagoneer right yeah. now. There's yeah. no Wagoneer. Right I know, now. but there will be. You know, there will be. <laughs> You well, all right. Don't be going and talking about future product before it's, uh, uh, it's announced. Just uh, suggesting. You, you, you're, you're, I'm sure it will. You're be. predicting. I'm not be. doing anything. You're, you're That's opinions. That's uh, my da- opinion. <laughs> Dana 44's front and rear heavy-duty axles. Additionally, all Gladiator Eco Diesel models feature a 3.73 axle ratio and uh, the Rock uh, Track two-system uh, transfer case with a 401 low-range gear ratio is standard on the Rubicon models, uh, which I think is 
outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun to take off-road. I actually um, a bit more inclined to have the Mojave version of the Gladiator. Yes. Because I'm, I like going fast. Rock crawling is a lot of fun, but it's very technical. And I'm more of a wham, bam, thank you, man type of guy where <laughs> I like to put my foot down and go very fast and have a good time on sand and dirt. What are you laughing about? Nothing, Nick. Um, also, the best-selling uh, three-row SUV in the United States. Been driving that. It's the Toyota Highlander for 2021. I've actually had the hybrid model. They sell around 34,810. Uh, does up to 29 miles a gallon. I like the um, the color range in this. It actually has two, four, six, eight different colors. I like Blueprint. Um, That's you, my favorite. Yes, Blueprint is one of my favorites. But I think I would probably had the ruby flare pearl yeah, that's which is more sort you. of a bright red color although I do like the sand the sort of sand color they call it opulent amber in this mm. one the sandy colors well, what about the concrete colors no moon dust it's too much gray in our world right now Celestial I like silver. hey the cool thing about this this was in the USA Today article which uh, which I contributed to with some of my opinions which is in today's USA Today we talk about the roof in this it has that stargazer roof where you can hit the button and electronically it makes the sunroof go matte instead of being glass very cool so yeah it's it's a little bit tech high tech Jen mm-hmm uh, these things are great. I I'm not sure I'd want to fix it, but they're, they're great. <laughs> Eight-seaters. Uh, there's the L, the LE, the hybrid LE uh, out of out of the models. There's 10 trim levels. Yeah, I was going to go through them all, okay, but now you've ruined it. No, yeah, it's I fine. You've ruined it now. You can get seven or eight seats, uh, seaters, uh, 10 different trim levels. Uh, what trim level is you, Jen? Well, you know, most expensive probably. Hybrid <laughs> platinum, which happens to be the one I have, $48,000. Yeah. Of course it is, you know. <laughs> Uh, the, the Stargazer roof is absolutely amazing. I think you'll absolutely love that. And, of course, hybrid performance, you can get an EPA MPG uh, combined of 35 miles a gallon. Uh, upgraded tech on the hybrid Highlander is all ready to go. Um, I love a lot of the safety sense stuff that Toyota have been putting into their vehicles. Uh, and also you can get the XSE, which is kind of their sport version, their uh, performance sporty version it even looks more performance and sporty uh, tuned with a high tuned suspension gives you better handling and confident on road driving I like that one a lot as too so I've been test driving those here's one of the problems is all these vehicles are great for dogs but I don't want to put my dogs in them because these uh, guys from the car company come pick them up uh, and then they have to clean all the dog hair out of them so I was dropping uh, the Yukon Denali off at the airport. I headed off to the Rolls-Royce Ghost uh, event last week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they said, hey, we, we have a quick turnaround on this vehicle. Can you make sure there's no dog hair in it? I was, oh, I'm offended. I am offended <laughs> at those uh, Yeah, remarks. I saw your video where Sam didn't want to get out of the car. Oh, that was uh, the Camaro SS. That, uh-huh. was, that was a year. Yeah, my chocolate Labrador just decided that he was going to bolt once the door was open. I got five dogs. Mm-hmm. He was going to bolt. And he made it straight for the Camaro, jumped straight in and sat in there. Like, And then when I told him to get out, he just got in the back seat and looked at me like, where are we going? Well, yeah, it's a Camaro. Yeah. Let's go fast. He's been really excited today because um, one of his relatives is having puppies. And I've told him his cousin is on the way. <laughs> well, what's funny about that? <laughs> because as soon as you said that, he comes running up to yeah, me. Yeah, he does. He bounces. Have you noticed he bounces? Mm-hmm. He bounces off his front legs. Boing, boing, boing. Yeah. It's like a kangaroo. Tigger. Yeah, he's uh, a tigger. There you go. 
off of cereal, Frosties. Uh, he's he's super excited because he I keep telling him, "Is your cousin coming? Is your cousin coming?" We're getting a, we're, and my dad is getting a male chocolate Labrador out of the same litter, so he's super excited about that. Uh, big news, of course, this week: uh, California saying that no more gasoline-powered vehicles are going to be for sale in the state after 2035. Remind many people that that is 15 years away. Some kids yeah. being born today that uh, will be will be in high school at that time. There's some four-year-olds will be voting by that time, and we could technically go through uh, four different governors and four different presidents uh, before that actually becomes uh, the law. I guess the law would be the way to look at it. Still to come, we're going to talk about a bunch of new, very cool vehicles, including that GMC Yukon Denali. We're also going to talk about the new Lexus RC. And Anton Warman's going to join us. That's all on your tablet to go for the rest of the show. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Uh, today, we got to drive in the Slingshot R into the studio, which if you are unfamiliar with it, you should go Google it. But if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a three-wheeler uh, motorcycle slash adventure vehicle um, the powered by the rear wheel two front wheels uh, looks like Batman dropped his car off at my house of the week it doesn't have a roof so uh, it may be not the best to drive in every single part of the country especially above the Mason-Dixon line where you have some rain and snow and ice but uh, in the last throes of summer I've been enjoying driving it um, it doesn't have any trunk space. The best trunk space it has, or the best hauling space, grocery space, whatever you like to call it, is little, <coughs> little lockable cabinets that are behind the driver's seat. Uh, I have a manual version, but it does come in an automatic this year. They used to have a Chevrolet engine in it, but now they've changed that up for a uh, for the Slingshot's own, Polaris's own uh, four-cylinder engine. 300, over 300 horsepower. Yeah, um, it was fun. And, and so I have to tell you, our routine of a weekday morning is uh, to have a uh, Starbucks on our way to, or a coffee, I should say, yeah. on our way to the studio. And uh, I said, Jen, this thing will do burnouts all day. She goes, oh, I, I, we have thing we can't, we shouldn't. No, it's not right. No, we can't. Which merely means is please don't scare the pants off. Well, of and me. what did I say? The reason why we couldn't do it is because we had coffee. Uh, I didn't want to wear it. (laughs) Don't go too fast. Oh, please. Uh, All right. Uh, (laughs) Recently, I got uh, the opportunity to be on the launch, although very differently under uh, COVID-19, the GMC, uh, their brand new Yukon Denali, and uh, they also have a new AT4 version. But it's the Denali that I drove, uh, and it's a pretty incredible vehicle. So we thought we couldn't pass up the show without having someone to talk about it. Uh, Michael Farah is from uh, GMC and is the uh, product and brand communications person that Daniel deals with Daniels deals Daniels as in Denali <laughs> Daniels and Denali I love de- it deals with the Denali <laughs> and is in charge of all things Denali uh, so this is quite a monster isn't it Michael oh it absolutely absolutely has been uh, Nick Jen thanks for having me on the show we're super excited again thank you for joining us on the launch and 
you know, the Yukon and, and Denali itself has been known, you know, ever since Denali launched over 20 years ago uh, on the GMC Yukon. And we're really excited for the 2021 model year, really elevating what Denali means. And as you mentioned, introducing the first ever AT4, more of a premium off-road package for our customers. I can't decide. Um, when I driven the AT4 version in other GMC vehicles, I preferred it uh, above the premium, but uh, it's uh, or the, the high end. But I, I'm having a hard time choosing between the AT4 and the Denali. Uh, normally, I'm a bit more of an off-road, uh, rough-and-tumble guy, but t- just the Denali is so nice. It's beautiful. And you have so much new technology in it. Oh, uh, totally. And, and the great thing about uh, the 2021 Yukon is uh, the two personalities of, uh, of the Yukon, right, with Denali uh, really elevating the premium aspect, the not luxury, I'll say, the very premium materials, the unique interior design and layout with the four unique color themes for our customers. Now contrast that with the very premium and yet very off-road oriented AT4 that gives you not just the look and bold, you know, design of an AT of an off-road vehicle, also has very unique capability with that 32-degree approach angle. So much more capable off-road while still encompassing you in that great leather, the wonderful interior, and all that premium nature that GMC has been known for. So, uh, me personally, I'm right, you know, 50-50. One day I want to be a Denali guy driving down the street with a beautiful chrome, chrome grill on that one, and then sometimes I want to get off on a beaten path with an AT4. So really depends on the day and on my mood. Yeah, well, you can have two, <laughs> can't you? Work for, you work for GMC. You can have whatever you want. Uh, the interior has definitely got to spruce up for 2021. No, totally. And what we've done in the 2021 uh, model year is uh, an exclusive Denali interior. And when we say in the past, you know, a lot of OEMs might say exclusive and, you know, a little bit of wood here, different leather wrappings here, different color. This is a completely unique layout um, that is not shared with any of the uh, GM Pulse's SUVs or anything on uh, the Yukon lineup. So the actual the, the 10.2-inch infotainment screen is actually uh, the layout and orientation is a little bit differently. It's moved down. Everything is wrapped in leather. And as I mentioned a bit uh, earlier, those four unique color themes. So really having not only a great exterior design, but that interior that offers something for all of our Denali customers. And we've gotten a lot of questions as, hey, why would you just do a unique interior on the Denali? Well, over 60% of our Yukon sales are actually uh, the Denali sub-brand. It felt right for us to take that leap forward for our customers, give them something more premium, and really make this a quintessential Denali. When you think of Denali, you think of those great materials, the great design, but really premium feeling without an ostentatious or over-the-top luxury brand. You know what you're getting and you want those premium materials, and we were able to execute that with this 2021 Yukon. Uh, it's quite striking when you see the pictures of the non-Denali and the Denali trim level next to each other. They almost don't look like the same vehicle. And I also can't believe that no, you know, this is the first time uh, anybody's come up with this, but it's about time we had a sliding center console, isn't it? Oh, it's very cool. And just in, in our previous generation, uh, Yukon, the customers love that sliding up and down screen while we've you know, redesigned and offered great new technology and a bigger screen, we were able to integrate that power sliding center console. The ability in that, um, that center console that's usually always fixed, and while there's a lot of storage space, offering flexible storage space as well as secure storage, the ability to slide that center console back 10 inches, um, you know, we can put a person there, a backpack, take out so it's not fumbling on the floor of the passenger footwell or on that passenger seat, a really secure space. And actually, as part of that power siding console, there's a small drawer. I don't know if you had a chance to check that out, Nick. Uh-huh. You can put a phone, a wallet, anything in there. Close that, slide the console forward, and in valet mode, you actually can't move that console back and forth. So offering peace of mind to the customers when the 
vehicle may be out of their hands, or if you're going for a hike, you don't want to take your wallet or keys with you, things like that. Yeah. Put those in the center console drawer, slide it forward, and keep it secure. Um, I will tell you that what really hit home for me when I realized that because on the weekends we usually get takeout, and although I like the food delivery services, I'm I'm not a very good planner, and you have to plan ahead to have those. So I'm always going off to get the takeout. And it's uh, when I get the takeout, if it's through a drive-through line or whatever, I'm always sitting on the passenger seat, and you inevitably have to drive very uh, sedately home so it doesn't roll off onto the floor. Well, this center console sliding back now gives me the perfect place to sit my Chinese or whatever I may have purchased. So that that you know you're obviously monitoring me and the vehicles and seeing what was <laughs> not working. For for me, which I think was a great thing to do. Uh, ride adaptive se- uh, suspension, um, which is in each four corners, gives you that really first class uh, ride, as well as it does have uh, ride height sensors as well. It does indeed. And the great thing with the um, four corner air ride adaptive suspension, first in the segment, the ability, let's think about it like those two personalities, right? On the Denali side, offering you a much more smooth ride, always adapting to the road ahead as well as uh, when you're driving at highway speeds for uh, increased fuel efficiency, the vehicle automatically on its own lower itself three quarters of an inch, about 20 millimeters to improve the aerodynamics and fuel efficiency. But now that air ride adaptive suspension, when you have it on the AT4 trim in four by uh, four wheel drive low, you can actually raise the entire vehicle two inches, giving you increased ground, uh, ground clearance and ability to kind of traverse those, uh, you know, those trails or, you know, get off on the beaten path. So kind of, again, those are one of those, two-for-ones that we get with the air ride adaptive suspension across both Denali and AT4. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, but nine cameras. That's Isn't that an overboard there, my friend? There, there is The technology is, is always uh, something our customers ask for, those class-leading nine-camera views. The really cool, I'm sure you've experienced that on our pickup truck, but the, the rear camera mirror, it's yeah. so great when you've got you know all your friends, six, seven people in the vehicle, the car stashed with cargo, things like that hey, I want to see what's actually behind me on the highway. Uh, you just flip that normal, what in the past was for, you know, uh, glare control or yeah. getting rid of the glare. It actually enables a camera, giving you a over 300% wider view of what's behind you. I like it when it's on the freeway. You can make very confident maneuvers. And we're not going to be shy here. The, the Yukon is a very large vehicle. But with all those camera views, it drives much smaller. And we've been hearing from our customers are able to reverse this and, and whip it around very easily into very tight parking spots and maneuver it on the road very easily because of those camera views, making the vehicle feel a lot smaller and a lot more intimate. I wish I had enough friends to put in the vehicle, but clearly not. 15-inch <laughs> uh, multi-head, multicolor heads-up display. No, totally. Keep your hands on the wheel, your ability to keep your eyes on the road, that 15-inch head-up display right in front of you, the ability to, whether you want to see your, your off-road degree angles of your tires, your, your speed, your, um, your adaptive cruise kind of setting, things like that, all that information displayed right ahead of you within iVision, adjustable, uh, up and down, or you can even turn it off if you so choose. The one thing I think is probably uh, the, the thing that I love most about this is somebody in the rear seat can send navigation instructions to the person in the front. I already see this one being, uh, if I had this when I was younger and, and my parents were driving this vehicle, I know I would have caused them uh, many headaches. But with those dual 12.6-inch screens on the back of the uh, of the passenger and, and driver's seat, um, not only are great infotainment seats that, you know, each cu- each passenger can have, you know, movies or anything to do, the ability to, hey, I want to stop over here at, to grab a coffee or I want to stop and grab food at this uh, at this restaurant, instead of the passenger having to fumble with the phone or the driver having to worry about it, 
those rear passengers, since they're getting, you know, they're freeloaders, they're just coming along for the ride, right. have them type in the, uh, the destination and they can actually send that to the front and it can be accepted by the driver. Or if they're playing a joke on, uh, on the driver, that route can also be uh, denied. <laughs> uh, Michael, I have to tell you that it would be no surprise to you either that I talked to your parents this morning. You did cause them many headaches as well. Uh, I would suggest to everybody <laughs> that they get out and test drive this vehicle. We didn't even get to the engine, but it's a 6.2 liter V8 uh, with dynamic fuel management. Uh, absolutely mm-hmm. astounding. 420 horsepower, all-wheel drive, uh, active response, or all-wheel drive system as well, plus 100 um, thousand billion other great features about oh, this yeah, vehicle. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a great vehicle. I'm proud to have been uh, on the launch of it, and uh, I would love to add this to my permanent fleet uh, anytime. I look forward to driving the AT4 as well. Michael Fire from GMC. Thanks for joining us. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to Our Auto Expert Catch-Up with previous episodes of the show. Our website is ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm Nick Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen. So interesting that California has uh, decided that uh, no longer will they sell... uh, vehicles uh, that have gasoline after 2035 at least that's the initial uh, incident that has been reported california plans to ban sales of gasoline powered passenger cars and trucks starting in 2035 as the top u.s automakers shift to electric vehicles to reduce climate warming emissions this was came from governor newsom's office uh, he said this on wednesday uh, interestingly enough uh, commuters obviously are going to be affected more a delivery service is going to be defe- affected about this uh, governor newsom says while well, we are making a new course the uh, democratic governor told the news conference in sacramento where he held it in front of the electric car producers um, that the automakers will now have to shift their vehicles to electric by 2035. Again, if you didn't expect this to come, you weren't paying attention. It's something that has been expected. Uh, the, the I will tell you that uh, the push by California is probably going to be followed up by 12 other states, what we call the PZEV states. It'll include uh, California as well as California. It'll include Oregon and Washington and uh, several states on the eastern side of the country as well who favor uh, alternative fuel vehicles. The country, uh, the state obviously where most of the vehicles and has the highest population is California. But it's a firm goal to phase out the sale of gasoline vehicles by 2035 and encourage states to take a similar similar action uh, across the country. Uh, the goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 80% from 1990 levels uh, by 2025. But in recent years, um, transport sector emissions have an- increased. Uh, so, you know, that's the... The, the problem that uh, many have had, California Air Resources Board, the CARB, will turn Newsom's goal into a, a, 
a legally binding requirement by writing regulations to mandate that 100 percent of the state sales of new passenger cars and trucks are zero emission by 2035. The board also plans to make a mandatory by 2045 all the operations of medium and heavy duty vehicles to zero emissions as well. So uh, that was the interesting news uh, from uh, the governor's office of california uh, anton woolman's joining us he is an independent analyst and investor um, he you can read the majority of his stuff at the street and seeking alpha so anton uh, i wasn't surprised by governor newsom's uh, 2035 phasing out electric vehicles were you surprised by it no uh, this was sort of coming right i mean this is the kind of grandstanding that we have seen from a variety of jurisdictions around the world and i think they're happy to ban anything from plastic straws to plastic bags to whatever there is. Uh, you know, the government has the opportunity, I guess, to ban whatever they want. Now, of course, this ban wouldn't take into effect until the year 2035, at which point none of the politicians that are anywhere near office today are going to be anywhere near California. They're going to be uh, sipping Mai Tais on the beach in Puerto Rico at that point nice. and uh, will not have to uh, worry about any of this stuff. So... This is very easy decision for them to make. At some point in the future, uh, you know, something is going to happen that people may not like today, but people don't really take seriously. So God bless everyone. But potentially, potentially we could go through uh, four different presidents and four different governors of California. So this this rule may not stand by the time 2035 comes around. Yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. This is, I mean, this is arbitrary politics. If people that are involved want to ban this product, they can do it. Uh, they can ban airplanes. You know, how about banning just cars, period, no matter what their energy source is. So, I mean, the thing is that this is purely arbitrary. A brand new, regular, plain vanilla gasoline car sold in the United States today uh, pollutes less than one five hundredth of the pollution of particulate matters than a car did uh, 18 years ago. So, you know, a brand new car today is extremely clean. And uh, what we're seeing on the roads are, of course, a lot of cars that are more than a dozen or so years old that are vastly more pollutant than, um, than the current ones. So, you know, if government did nothing, absolutely nothing to change the rules, if you just waited a handful of years, um, all of the um, air uh, particulate matters become dramatically cleaner as a result of the general plain vanilla replacement cycle that happens by virtue of what people do every year. Wouldn't it be a better uh, move for them to sink their time, energy and money into maybe uh, buying back some of those vehicles and uh, assisting people in getting into new vehicles, also give a boost to the auto industry, a sort of cash for clunkers for environmental reasons? Well, what you would want to do is you want to lower the prices of brand new cars, because if you buy a brand new car to a basic car, it will pollute, uh, you know, several decimal points less than anything that comes off the road that is more than about a dozen or so years old. So what you want to do, if you want to, uh, in a cost-effective manner, reduce the pollution, is to ensure that it costs as little as possible to buy a new car. Therefore, you don't impose crazy mandates on these cars saying that they have to fulfill some extreme requirement that is so over and beyond what their impact would have been in and of themselves otherwise by virtue of replacing an old car. 
I absolutely agree with you as well, Anton. Uh, it's just interesting news and maybe a little bit of showboating. Uh, when we come back uh, after the break, I'm going to have an opportunity to talk to Anton a little more about what's happening in Europe with the new ID3, which is Volkswagen's new electric vehicle. We just saw the ID4, which is the one that's coming to the United States recently. That was unveiled. We're going to talk Tesla, Nissan, Chevrolet, and uh, also BMW, amongst other topics. So stand by for that. It's coming up after the break. Also want to remind you that if you go to ourautoexpert.com, which is our website, you can see some of the videos that we have done about electric cars and alternative uh, fueled vehicles. I was talking to J.D. Power and Associates this week, and interestingly enough, the fastest growing fuels, alternative fuel that is selling right now is diesel vehicles, which is almost going the opposite way from uh, many of the states like California who are pushing to go electric. The one fuel that many people have been extremely excited about is diesel. And during the pandemic, they've been buying that. We'll talk to Anton about alternative fuels, about what's happening in the auto industry, both here and abroad, as our auto expert continues. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. This is our Auto Expert radio show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us about a car, cars, SUVs, or trucks. We'll be happy to answer it. Just direct messages at Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. And if you haven't had a chance to read the story in USA Today about future future tech in cars, uh, I'm very happy that they quoted me. And also uh, they listed Our Auto Expert. Just pick up a copy of USA Today or go online and have a read of that. Joining us is the man that probably knows more uh, about electric and alternative vehicles, about uh, all of those upcoming new autonomous vehicles, plus uh, what's going on in the background of the auto industry, Anton Warman. So, Anton, let's pick up the conversation. What's happening in Europe as far as uh, Volkswagen's ID3 electric car? In September, they had an awful lot of these registered. That's right. So uh, this is the all-new, from-the-ground-up electric car that sort of looks like a Golf, but isn't based on the Golf. It's rear-wheel drive for now, uh, an all-wheel drive version that comes available uh, sometime within the year. And um, delivery started right around September 10th or so in most countries in Europe. And, of course, monthly data being what they are, we don't usually get them from most countries until after the end of the month. But there are three countries, Spain, Netherlands, and Norway, where we actually get data uh, of uh, the sales numbers every single day. And uh, so far, those three countries, they've delivered over 2,000 of them, and we're talking, you know, two weeks so over 2,000 units in about two weeks, and that actually puts the Volkswagen ID3 at the number one on the all-electric new vehicle sales charts in Europe at this point. So, so far, so good for Volkswagen. And uh, they said they had made about 30,000 of these uh, at the beginning of this year, and they were just sitting there for a few months awaiting the software release that kept on taking forever. And uh, now deliveries have begun, so if you... Then add in all the other data that will come in here uh, in, a, in a barely about a week from now from countries like Germany and France and uh, Sweden and Switzerland and so forth. Um, you know, maybe we hit that 30,000 number for uh, September. Uh, is is it going to keep at the same pace, do you think? Although uh, there's many people that have probably had their orders in and were waiting for them to be delivered and there's sort of a slew of people probably walking into the dealerships uh, for vehicles that were already on reservations. Uh, do you think it's going to maintain its amount of sales now, uh, increase or go down? And how has this affected Tesla? 
Well, so normally what would happen is what you say, which is, of course, there's a pent-up demand here where you essentially had orders for these 30,000 cars that were already booked a year ago. And uh, so they are going to be delivered, but we just don't know how deep the demand is, right? So because just because there were 30,000 units here that were sold a year ago, we don't know how much comes after it and for how much and for how long. So we can't really answer that question right now. But you should also keep in mind that in the same factory built on the same platform are uh, four other vehicles that are coming out. There are two Audis and uh, Seat and a Skoda version and, of course, also the uh, uh, what's it called again, the Volkswagen ID4. So they're all coming here in just a couple of months. So the Volkswagen ID3 needs to be looked at pretty much as a group with these other vehicles as they are substantially identical under the skin. So this could be going on for some time, and this, this sort of quest uh, that we would see in this demand and these deliveries could take quite some time before it peaks out, and that could be a couple of years even. You know, interestingly enough, and you mentioned this in some email exchanges that we've had uh, while, while in the U.S., we're obviously used to seeing a lot of different brands for electric vehicles, you know, Nissan, Chevrolet, BMW. Uh, in Europe, they have a lot of other brands, and, and so they're obviously more meaningful in quantities. But I, I have a question which is kind of interesting. Uh, these vehicles that are sold in Europe, which aren't sold in the United States, do you think that we might see some of those eventually come to the United States? Or are we going to see the companies that we're so used to seeing uh, having showrooms and dealerships around the country? Are we expecting them to, uh, you know, just increase the different models that they have available? It's more the latter than the former in this context, Nick. That's because there are so many models that are sold now in Europe that more are uh, suited to the European tastes and preferences with respect to the size and weight. So they are more like a type of a Volkswagen Golf equivalent sold by Peugeot, Citroën, Opel, MG, which is sort of a British mark, but owned by a Chinese company, and a whole bunch of other cars that we just don't see on this side of the pond. So, yes, there will be other vehicles like the Volkswagen ID4 that will be sold on both sides, and obviously in the premium segment, that tends to be the same for the Audi e-trons and uh, Jaguar i-paces of this world, but all these lower-end cars that just don't sell at any way in the United States much do get electric-only versions for Europe because, uh, for whatever reason, that is what the European consumer want and that is what they're getting right now. Interesting. The uh, the the V the VW uh, ID four was finally revealed, and we got to see uh, what the vehicle looked like. No great surprises, but the price is quite a surprise. Well, you know, I thought it was very good. I mean, it starts at about forty thousand, and then in the U.S., of course, Volkswagen remains eligible for at least another two years for the seven thousand five hundred dollar federal tax credit. So that takes the price down to thirty two five, right? then in some states, you have a various, uh, very lucrative state incentives. I think uh, Colorado is not at least at 4000 if not 5000 because uh, states like New Jersey have has no sales tax on them whatsoever. So you know, when you're doing an apples-to-apples comparison with a gasoline or diesel or a hybrid or any other non-plug-in car, uh, then um, uh, the price looks, relatively speaking, even more favorable. And, of course, when you compare it to companies like General Motors with the Chevy Bolt and Tesla with their models, they have run out of the $7,500 from the federal government. So, uh, you know, in comparison to them, Volkswagen has a huge advantage in the market in selling the ID4. So it should therefore come as no surprise that the initial batch of the sort of first edition uh, fully loaded one that, uh, they put up for sale. I think they all sold out within 24 hours.
How does the ID4 match up with its stats to some of the vehicles uh, as far as range, charging times, and in interior capacity? So the uh, clear uh, competitor from day one before the Nissan Aria comes onto the market and the Volvo XC40 is clearly the Tesla Model Y. The Tesla Model Y is a similar size, uh, but it has the available more powerful electric motors and is, of course, from day one available with all-wheel drive, which comes only a few months later with a Volkswagen. So basically the um, Tesla is faster, more horsepower, and it also has essentially uh, faster charging time because you can charge the Tesla Model Y at 250 kilowatts at the peak rate. At the peak rate of the Volkswagen is 125 kilowatts. So the charging time is going to be faster for the Tesla as well as acceleration and top speed. So you're buying essentially a car that is faster in a variety of vectors. But the Volkswagen has a similar interior with more traditional buttons and switches and screens and so forth. And of course, then it becomes an issue for the consumer is whose uh, quality do you trust more in terms of, you know, will the car leak water? Will it just uh, die on you on the freeway one day? And uh, can you service it closely? And which car is simply going to hold up in bad weather and uh, all other things that happen in life? Uh, VW have quite an aggressive electric electrification schedule. Uh, this isn't the last vehicle we'll see coming from them. Oh, no. Uh, you know, they have literally, uh, you know, 50 different pure battery electric vehicles coming in the next four years for around the world. In the U.S., there are only a couple of them that have been confirmed. The next one will be the Buzz. So after the ID4 comes the essentially the old, good old hippie van, and it'll arrive here roughly by the beginning of 2023. Production will start in Germany in the um, third quarter of 2022, and uh, it will get here a few months later. So I'm very excited about that one because who doesn't want an all-electric hippie bus? Right, exactly. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, there are some other companies that are getting ready. I mean, you just mentioned the Nissan Aria, but other companies are getting ready to roll out their uh, fully electric uh, vehicles in the next year or so. Oh, Lord. I mean, who could forget about the Ford Mustang E and the Volvo XC40 battery electric vehicle? Uh, you have uh, our friends at the General Motors, which is a new generation of bolts with a B, uh, various kinds that make them a little bit longer, a little bit larger, uh, a little bit more capacity here and there. So clearly there will be a plethora of um, all-electric vehicles hitting the U.S. market too. Mercedes and BMW have yet to really uh, launch theirs on the high end, but they're coming uh, next year. So yeah, all of these things, I mean, we can have so many of them, Nick, we won't be able to keep track of them. And, and, and that's probably within just about a year from now. How are companies like General Motors going to deal with the fact that they have may have extinguished, and Tesla for that matter, may have extinguished the uh, opportunity for people to take advantage of the federal tax credit for $7,500? Does that mean they're going to have to alter the price of the vehicles which are for sale? Yep. I mean, they took the benefit previously. They collected all that money earlier than the other companies, and now they have to take the pain. General Motors found a little bit of a workaround with this uh, little interesting deal with Nikola a couple of weeks ago that got a lot of other attention for uh, unrelated reasons. And that is that since they will be making the car for Nikola, and Nikola will be selling them under their brand, uh, that means that they, meaning Nikola, will be eligible for the $7,500 per vehicle. And that will essentially flow down to the ability of General Motors to price uh, their manufacturing output to Nikola at uh, uh, price advantage. So that's one way to get around this is to essentially partner with another company 
uh, that uh, markets the vehicle under a whole new name and ownership structure, at which point you uh, essentially uh, get a new uh, shot at that 200,000-plus uh, vehicles that you can uh, sell with the help of $7,500 from the federal government. I, I call shenanigans on that one. Uh, let's see what let's see what actually happens, but uh, obviously... Yeah, look, there are all sorts of other issues there, but if you look at the real reasons behind that deal, Nick, I mean, there was no technology reason for this because GM is going to supply all of the technology and all of the manufacturing for that Nikola Badger. So does, do people really care about the Nikola name? Uh, maybe not. But what they get with this thing is that magic $7,500 per vehicle right. that yeah. they could not otherwise obtain through any other uh, structure. Anton Wallman is an independent investor and analyst. You can read the majority of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. If there's anybody in the country that has more knowledge about the electric world, I I am not familiar with it. More Our Auto Expert on the way. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Your smart speaker can be your radio. Just say, hey Google, hey Alexa, or hey Siri. Play Our Auto Expert radio show and all the previous episodes of our podcast are available. Hours of endless fun for you and the entire family. I'm Nick Miles. And our auto expert radio show is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Truck Girl Jen is in the studio and joining us on the phone, Perry Stern, who contributes to our auto expert and uh, MSN, amongst other many things that he does, including baking, cooking, and uh, bacon making in his uh, spare time. But recently driving the Chevrolet uh, new Corvette, which uh, probably was quite a... uh, slow letdown from getting out of the Boxster. How was the Corvette? It was a nice way to wean myself from the Boxster, I have to agree. <laughs> it, uh, it, it isn't too bad to go from supercar to supercar. Um, uh, obviously, your life allows you to do that. Uh, does the Corvette live up to the heritage? It, it is beyond. Um, I mean, it, it just looks so good from every angle. It's it's one. I mean, yes, there's all kinds of fantastic classic Corvettes that are absolutely gorgeous, but this is one of the best looking modern day Corvettes I've seen. And up till now, I'd only seen it in like an auto show. So seeing it in natural light, it looks even better. Um, it's it's impressive, and it gets a lot of attention. I was uh, I was ready to be disappointed when I first drove it, but uh, was completely the opposite. Was actually uh, thought it was probably one of the most outstanding supercar drives that I've had over the last few years. It's it's fantastic. I mean, it's very quick. It sounds really good. Uh, I mean, full throttle when you're in sport mode or Z mode, uh, which is a button on the steering wheel. You push Z, it lights up, and everything is at sportiest setting you can get. Uh, and when you're at full throttle, it barks every time it shifts gears. I mean, it just puts a smile on your face. Are they going to have uh, to change the tires when they take it back from you? <laughs> No, they didn't really uh, get much uh, friction because it was raining most of the time uh, I had it. Boo. <laughs> boo. Uh, I think that's probably uh, grounds for extending your loan for another week. Yeah, exactly. I'll be sure to talk to Chevrolet about that. <laughs> but even so, even in the rain, I mean, it still handles great. I mean, one of my favorite things about this car is the uh, view out the front. So, you know, for the driver, visibility, um, it reminds me a lot of the old NSX. Um, because yeah. it was also mid-engine, and without having an engine in the front, the hood can slope off quite a bit. So basically, over the steering wheel is the road. It's right there, and so it gives you great visibility 
which is why I would love to take this car on a track. They've actually updated it quite a lot for 2021, which you probably thought wasn't possible after adding so much in, but they've added quite a lot of new stuff in there, including colors and things. I do note that uh, in different colors of this vehicle, the vehicle looks completely different. It looks, you know, the new silver metallic flare makes the vehicle look completely different if you have it in a bright blue or red. I would agree, and that's often the case. I mean, the one I was driving was torch red, which is, you know, as you can guess, a pretty bright red. Right. Um, And it had the beige seats with, you know, the brown tan seats with the black trim. Although I did notice that because they take that tan trim up into the dashboard also, as soon as you have any kind of sunlight or even overcast skies, it kept reflecting into the window. It was really annoying. Oh, and so, I mean, there were a couple little things that were a little odd. The other one being that when uh, driving in the rain, the engine gets very wet, huh. which is surprising that, that happens. But I opened it basically fogs up the glass because the glass directly behind the driver actually goes into the engine bay. And then you kind of see through the engine bay outside. So it, uh, it fogs up the glass to the engine bay because there's so much steam from the hot engine. <laughs> I, I just read something here. I was trying to why, uh, realize why that is. It says that only happens when the driver drives too aggressively. No. Ah, ah. <laughs> what, 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 what exactly is too aggressively? Yeah, I mean, I think, that's I an oxymoron. There are, there, are, right? there are levels. Well, maybe next year they'll get all these little kinks worked out. So. Uh, but honestly, if you're driving a new Corvette, why are you looking behind you? Oh, that's true. Well, you've got to see what, what you just passed. Yeah. Or, or, what, I do have or if to there's say a cop. <laughs> But it does. The interesting thing is, it does have the rearview mirror camera. Yes. So it does. T- you know, it does fix that problem. Um, although I'm somewhat nearsighted, so the mirror. When I look through a regular mirror, I can see just fine. But when you put it in camera mode, then you're trying to focus on the actual mirror, and I have yeah. trouble doing that because yes. of my vision. I'm the same. Um, I'm exactly so the same. Thank issue. goodness. I think if they had a focus tuning on the uh, on the mirror, it would be much better because I have trifocal glasses. So uh, I have three different levels of uh, a vision in my glasses. And so I actually have to lift my head all the way up to use the, you know, the nearsighted uh, uh, so I can actually see uh, what's in the mirror. It doesn't work for me. I have to have it on the regular one. Otherwise, I'm the same as you. I have to focus. Um, the happens when us old people drive cars yeah and and unfortunately as old people the only ones that can afford them because uh, our uh, our kids can't afford these uh, these new vehicles uh n- new uh, available magnetic uh, selective ride control suspension in the z51 for uh, 2021 did your vehicle have that magnetic ride control in it it did not because it was a 2020 oh boo uh, then then but, there is another reason for you to have a refreshed it. vehicle. <laughs> there, Yeah, you should ask for uh, another one. You should ask for a 2021, uh, which, you know. I'll be sure to do it. that because yes. the more Corvettes, the merrier. Yes. I mean, I plus there's several different trim levels. They should get you in each one of those so you can uh, judge them against each other. I'm just enabling well, you. I need habit. the convertible too. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I've got nine lists <laughs> where Perry should have another uh, Camaro. All right, I'll be sending this off to General Motors at the end of the ve- at the end of the show. Uh, they, they've done a pretty they've done a pretty good job uh, with this vehicle. I think the potential to fail with the new Corvette was really high, but they've actually managed to get quite a winner out of this. 
I believe I agree, and I think there's still some you know Corvette aficionados that still just can't deal with the fact it's not front engine anymore. But you get in the car and it just drives so well. You know the whole cockpit setup is really interesting. If you had a chance to look, that the, there's this long line of narrow buttons that kind of divides the passenger from the driver, which is where all the HVAC you know, the climate control system is. Right. And when I first saw it, I thought that was really strange, but it works really well. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That was my first uh, thought about it. I drove it with Jason Fenske on the launch, and um, actually it doesn't separate you. It doesn't stop you talking to the person next to you, uh, but it does sort of give you access to to many more things. Uh, I think ultimately they've done a great job with this vehicle, and the fact is I haven't driven a $60,000 one, but the fact is it starts at $60,000. It does. Uh, fifty-eight nine, I think, is the base price. The one I was driving was seventy-eight uh, two sixty-five, which my guess is is probably more common. Between seventy and eighty is probably what these are getting priced out as. Yeah, and only old people like you and I can drive though, afford to buy them as well. I think that's probably the uh, the the way. Yeah, <laughs> but unfortunately, you're not speaking for me. I I can afford to drive it for a week and I have to give it back. Yeah. All right, but there's no cost involved in that. Perry Stern, you can read a majority of his stuff at uh, the website, Our Auto Expert, which is our website, or on msn.com. He is a great friend and also an intellectual person when it comes to cars, which we need more of on this show. Our Auto Expert, online, you can listen to this radio show. You can see some of our TV segments and also read Perry's articles about new cars. That's where to go. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.